Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf, and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. Well, in today's podcast, I'm going to be talking about how to deal with toxic people in your life. When you recognize that you've got two kind of conflicting emotions going on, one, that you really love these people, they're really special, maybe it's a spouse or it's a family member or a really close friend or uncle or aunt or something, but there's something that they are doing that is really triggering you and causing you anxiety. They have maybe some sort of toxic behaviors or things that they're dealing with and it's triggering something that you're dealing with. I'm sure this is relatable. This has happened to me. We get so many questions around this as well. Now, how do you deal with a loved one who's in going through sort of a toxic phase and you're also going through something and you kind of just trigger each other? Well, today we're going to be discussing that. But just before we begin, I just want to remind you about my new book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. If you haven't yet got a copy, and you can see I've got all kinds of little dog-eared things over here, little notes in here to, to show you certain things related to the, today's podcast. But if you haven't really got your copy, go pick up your copy wherever books are sold. This is where you will really learn the techniques of mind management, getting that mind under control using the neurocycle for everything that you do. And why do I say everything? Because mind is pretty much everything. When you're dead, your mind doesn't work. When you're alive, your mind is working. So the mind is the difference between being dead and alive. Your mind is your aliveness. Your mind is always with you. You wake up with your mind, you eat with your mind, you get dressed with your mind, you manage those toxic people with your mind, or you don't manage those toxic people with your mind, or you get into toxic situations and they freak you out with your mind, or you manage them with your mind. It's all about mind. And so this is what this podcast and this book is about, is helping you manage your mind in as many different situations as you can. Because cumulatively, unmanaged mind creates tremendous stress on the brain and the body and on our mental health. And I talk about that in this book as well. So pick up your copy. And just before we begin, these podcasts are for educational purposes and not medical. And if you have any medical issues, make sure to consult with the appropriate medical personnel. And now back to today's episode. Okay, so life is not an either or game. It's an and game. What do I mean by that? I mean that you can hold two opposing points of view in your mind at the same time. So you can love someone dearly, but at the same time be triggered by them. That's very real. I'm sure you've experienced that. I've experienced that. And it comes with a lot of guilt because 
We feel, well, I love them. I shouldn't feel this way and I shouldn't be like this. And it becomes this either or thing. But you can have an and thing. You can love someone and also be triggered by someone and not feel guilty by that. You not, not feel shame or condemnation. If you live an either or life, you're going to be feeling very condemned and, and shameful and guilty if you feel triggered by them. Because you keep thinking, well, what's wrong with me? Or you may get very angry with them and then it disrupts your relationship. But it doesn't have to go that way. Instead of looking at life as this either or, that it's got to be you know, this, this very distinct, I've got to be this or that. You can look at and. I can love a person and recognize that I am going through something in my life at the moment. And what that person is going through and how they are managing what they are going through is actually triggering me. Doesn't mean you don't love that person. It just means that while you're in that vulnerable place, that person could be a trigger in your life and vice versa. So how do you get it to be an and situation? Because very often what will happen is that you either suppress your emotions and you suppress those feelings. And we don't do that very well because you cannot really hide how you actually are feeling or your internal frustrations. Because it will come out through quantum physics. It comes out through your mind, which is all that quantum field that I've spoken about you, the gravitational fields in and around you. And the, and the thoughts that you built, the actual physical thoughts that you've built towards that person based on what you are going through. And you may try and hide it, but this little toxic thought's generating those photons. And that person is picking up you trying to avoid or trying to maybe not looking them in the eye or just your body movements or just the way you're speaking. They know something's wrong. Guys, you've all experienced this. You know when there's something wrong between you and someone else. You know, you can, when you we make comments, like you can just literally cut the atmosphere and, and there's this tension. And so you may think that you're dealing with it because you've got this either or mentality. So you don't want to deal with it or face it or talk about it. So you're kind of trying to shove it down and pretend it doesn't exist. But that just increases tension so much that it creates such a problem between you. So how can you deal with something like this? First of all, it's to accept that you can have both opposing thoughts at the same time and emotions. Okay, so you can have two opposing thoughts at the same time. So let's look at it like this. So here is, I love this person. Here's all the wonderful memories with that person, all the great times you've had together. That's the root of the thought tree. And then the tree trunk is the perspective. So the perspective, your your interpretation of of all your experiences with that person and the branches are all the, the thoughts, feelings and emotions around that person and all the activities, maybe an outing and that's growing up together or that's a dinner, that's a party, that's a great discussion. So there's all this great stuff, this great relationship. Now you can have that. And at the same time, here's the same person, but now there's a toxic route and that toxic experience is what they are going through and how they are managing what they are going through. And that is actually something that you are now seeing and experiencing because you're living with them or you're seeing a lot of them. And that then builds into your brain And it's now this toxic perspective of how it is affecting your thoughts, feelings, and behavior. And it's triggering. So this, their behavior is becoming like this toxic thought that is then triggering you to respond in a certain way because you're trying to deal with something. So this, their their behavior is tied in with something that you are dealing with. So it's all in the same root over here, what you're dealing with. And then also what the person is doing 
that person that you love. And that's manifesting in this confusion over here that you feel this about yourself and that this, as this person is doing this, it's triggering this, which is then activating all of this. And this is now showing up in your life as an increase in affecting your mental health or how you feel about yourself, your physical symptoms in your body. And it just kind of gets worse and worse. Now, you can have those at the same time because in, in this is also guilt because you've got this memory. So what we need to do is realize it doesn't have to be this or that. It can be both. But the problem is that we don't want to keep this. We want to transform this into a healthy version of this. This, as we know, you've heard me explain before, a toxic thought creates an imbalance in the brain and the body and the brain and the body are going to, it kind of creates brain damage and it sets up vulnerability in your brain and your body for increasing chances of disease by 35 to 98% and affects mental health. So we can't keep this. We can't keep this. We've got to change it. But we've, it starts with recognizing you can have both. This won't go away if you feel guilt because you keep thinking, but I do love them, but this is conflicting with this. And we've got this thing, I've got to either have this or that. So then we try and just have this and we try and shove this down, but this doesn't go away because this person still has something that's triggering you. So we get this whole big mess. So what do we do? We've got to, first of all, accept that we can have both emotions and literally tell ourselves it's okay. It's okay to feel triggered and it's okay to love that person. That starts with it. So you've got to gather awareness of how you are feeling about this situation. Gather awareness and ask yourself, am I feeling guilt and condemnation and shame because it's, I'm not supposed to feel like this, but I do because I'm in a bad place and what they're doing is triggering this? Are you feeling that? And then accept that and say, okay, yes, that is how I'm feeling. I am feeling very triggered by this person and I love them at the same time. So because I'm triggered by them, it doesn't mean that I don't love them. It's okay. I do love them. So what I've done there is I've gathered awareness of the big overarching thing of I am being triggered by someone that I love because of an issue I'm going through and because of how they're managing an issue they're going through. I mean, this is just an example. So maybe it's an eating disorder and maybe there's that you battle with eating. And this is something that, that is very, very common. This is a question that was asked re very recently to, to me. That's why I'm going to use that example. So someone, in, someone is close to someone and one person has an eating disorder and the other person has a way that they are eating in a very specific way. And the way that they're eating is actually triggering this person's eating disorder because it feels like the other person, that they need to eat like the other person. So there's all this confusion that everyone can eat in their own way but that person's way of eating that you love, this one, is actually acting as a trigger for you. So then comes all this guilt and condemnation. So what we've got to do is acknowledge that. So how we deal with this is we do a neurocycle. Okay, so before I confuse you, let's start at the beginning. It's an and game. We first got to accept that I can love someone and be triggered by someone. And it's okay. Sometimes it's big stuff. Sometimes it's little stuff, but all of it can be managed if you give yourself permission to have both. Then what you do is you manage the toxic. Otherwise, the toxic will then become something that you want to suppress because of guilt, shame, and condemnation. So you have to gather awareness of what the end is. Then you have to gather awareness of the detail and become a thought detective to see how can you embrace, process, and reconceptualize this to make it something that's manageable. 
So let's say, for example, so you start with, let's start at the top. Let's see what the thought detective work would do. So you're going to, first of all, gather awareness of your emotional warning signals when you are around that person, specifically when it comes to, when when is this triggered? So you gather awareness that you become very anxious when it comes to meal times. okay? So then that's the first thing. So you anxious when meal times. okay? Then you become, what are your behaviors? Maybe you become withdrawn or snappy or irritable. What are your symptoms in your body? Gut ache, immediate gut ache. What is your perspective? I need to change how I eat. So, or something like that, or I'm bad, or I eat too much, or something like that. So you gather awareness of those. Then you go to reflect and you start asking yourself, okay, why am I feeling like this? Specifically, why is that person making me feel like this? When? How often? Where? So you get into the reflect stage as you do the ask, answer, discuss to get to the detail of it. You then write that down in the form of a metacog. And a metacog, as I've told you before, if you've listened to my podcast, is a way of organizing information that really digs down deep, helps you introspect and find the reasons why you are battling with whatever you're battling with. It really gets your brain working well and it integrates the two sides of your brain and it increases the mind-brain-body interaction, which is what you want. I explain exactly how to do a metacog in this book, okay? So then you write that down and it's the third step where you're writing, you write in a very messy way, just pour your thoughts on paper. doesn't matter what you say, no one's going to look at that except you, that's your own private thing. Get it out, just pour out the words, let them just come out in a big jumble. Then in the recheck phase, that is where you can get nice and organized. The recheck is to see, okay, let's have a look at the patterns here. I'm getting triggered by this person when I eat alone with them and when they eat in a specific way. And it's definitely related to the fact that I have an eating disorder and the eating disorder is from worrying about getting fat because of being teased as a child, whatever. So in the recheck, you start seeing that kind of thing. You start seeing the roots. So then you say, how often does it happen? Where does it happen? When does it happen? So you start looking for the patterns and the triggers. And then you get to the active reach, which is a little action step to help you to say, well, how am I going to manage it? How am I going to manage this? I'm living with this person or I see them often. Maybe what I should do is when it comes to mealtimes, either I don't eat with them or when I do eat with them to make sure that there's another person who's a neutralizing agent in the situation. And that would be a little action step. One of the upsides from this recent pandemic is I get to do many of my interviews and much of my work in my pajamas. But the downside of working from home I feel like now more than ever I am constantly looking at a screen and my eyes have been really straining, which has been causing so many headaches. If this sounds like a familiar struggle in your life, I've got the answer for you. Blue light blocking glasses from Blue Blocks. Blue light damages our eyes and leads to digital eye strain. Symptoms of digital eye strain are blurred vision, headaches and dry watery eyes. For some, this could even cause heightened anxiety, depression and low energy. Well... Blue Blocks was created to fix this problem and block out the blue light with high-quality lenses. Unlike other types of blue light glasses, Blue Blocks are evidence-based and made under optics laboratory conditions in Australia. They have 40 hip frames and come in prescription, non-prescription and readers, so they have frames for every need. Blue Blocks is also giving back by working in partnership with Restoring Vision in their Buy One Gift One campaign. For each pair of Blue Blocks glasses purchased, they donate a pair of reading glasses to someone in need. 
I also really love Blue Blocks' Remedy Sleep Mask, which uses the most sophisticated design methodology to create a comfortable, 100% light-blocking eye mask for improved REM and deep sleep. Get started today with your Blue Blocks glasses, and I promise it will change your life. And just for my listeners, get 15% off your order with the code DrLeaf and blueblocks.com. That's the code DrLeaf at B-L-U-B-L-O-X dot com. The link and offer details will be in the show notes. We all shop online and we've all seen that promo code field taunt us at checkout. I honestly shop for most of my skin products, favorite brain snacks and supplements online and really have a coupon code I can use. But thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past. Honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. Honey supports over 30,000 stores online. They range from sites that have tech and gaming products to popular fashion brands and even food delivery. Just imagine you're shopping on one of your favorite sites. When you check out, the Honey button drops down and all you have to do is click Apply Coupons. Wait a few seconds as the Honey searches for coupons it can find for that site. If Honey finds a working coupon, you'll watch the prices drop. Just this morning, I was juggling several tasks while trying to order my favorite brain healthy cereal online and Honey gave me a coupon code and helped me save over 25%. They make online shopping so much less stressful and have helped me and my family save on so many items. If you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out on free savings. It's literally free and installs in a few seconds. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this podcast. I'd never recommend something I don't use. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash drleaf. That's joinhoney.com slash drleaf. The link and details will be in the show notes. Those five steps you can do in the moment to manage the moment, but you're not going to get all that, what I've just got to, in just a quick one five-step cycle done in maybe two minutes or something. You need to spend the time working through that process. So you need to then commit to doing the five steps daily for 21 days where you would spend around 15 to 45 minutes. And each day, a little bit more will be revealed to as to why you are battling with eating. What's the cause of your eating disorder? And why is that person such a trigger in your life? And so you, as you get to day 21, you start in that process, you are deconstructing this, going through the five steps each day each day discovering a little bit more, a little bit more. You're not going to solve it all in one day. Each day, by day 21, you would have taken all the energy away from this tree, deconstructed it, and now in this tree, which is the person that you love, you've built into this tree over here and maybe another green tree next to it of how of the reason why you battle with eating and the reason why that they trigger you and recognizing how what the antidote is to that trigger. And it may be having a conversation with that person, explaining how you feel. But you can't change the person. You have to change yourself. You have to recognize the trigger and you have to change yourself. You're not responsible for that person's emotions. You can't change their emotions. So by doing the systematic process of analyzing this over a period of, of, of 21 days, you're going to have deconstructed and reconstructed to the point where you'll recognize what is why you battling and why they such a trigger. And in that process, you by day 21, you would have got a lot of active reaches, maybe five or six or 21. You may have 21 different active reaches over each day, which will then maybe be coordinated into one or two or three that you can then 
talk to that person and have a conversation with that person where you maybe just have to set up a few boundaries and just say, I'm going through this at this post in, at the moment. I know it's not your fault, but I am triggered by you and I'm working through this and I've got this under control and this is what I've discovered and this is what I'm going to do, but it's not you that I'm cross with. I love you. I'm just in, in an and game. I love you. I'm just working through this. And as I go through this, this process of healing, of the neurocycling every day, it's going to change. You may only get to the point of having been able to have that kind of conversation at 21 days, but you may even be able to have that conversation at day one or day two, because especially if you're living with that person, I would recommend that you do a mini neurocycle as phase one to be able to get to the point where you can work out what the main trigger is or the, the sort of the, the most in-your-face trigger is and to, to, to on your own just to go through the five steps work that what that is and then your little act of reach would be to have a mini version of the conversation I've just described and then as you work through the 21 days by the time you get to day 21 then have another conversation with that person and all the time coming back to where you at explain to the person this is where I am at I need the space at the moment if you see that I'm pulling away from you or if you see that I'm not eating with you or if you see that I've asked someone to come and sit with us it's not you. I love you. Okay. It's just something that I'm working through and it's not your fault that you trigger me. And you'll get stronger and stronger at finding the correct words as time goes on. Now, remember when you get to day 21, the behavior change is not going to be implemented. It's not going to be happening yet. You are going to know what to do, but it's still, you're still going to be very triggered because this is very small. It's not a habit yet. You need to practice this. You need to find one final or two or three final active reaches that helps you manage the situation, which is managing, changing the reasons why you have that eating disorder and where you're going with where it came from and what your active reach is for that and then how that's linked to this person being a trigger. You're going to have to find one active reach that kind of summarizes that and then practice that daily for the next 63 days. Now, that's an example with, with someone who's got an eating disorder. That's an example, but maybe it's someone who you feel like you, they're very toxic, uh, they, they upset you a lot, they just maybe they too loud or they yell too much or they get very irritated very quickly and that really upsets you and they over talk you in meetings or something like that or they shut you down or something like that and that is, so you love them but their toxic behavior is towards you, is, is upsetting you. Now, I have to stress here that how anyone shows up, whether it's the person doing the snapping or the person activating, being a trigger for your eating disorder, the way they show up has a reason too. So if we approach this whole thing with toxic people as the way we all show up has a reason, and if we can reasonably and very kindly acknowledge, hey, this is where I'm at at the moment, I've gathered awareness, I've done my little neurocycle, my active reach is to say, this is where I'm at at the moment, and I need this kind of space because it's not your fault that you do this, this, but it's affecting me like this. So I need the space to be able to work out how to deal with this and how to manage it. It may just be that you need those 21 days to build up the courage to confront that person who is actually maybe yelling at you and doesn't want to recognize that they're yelling at you. A lot of times people can be very toxic. And if you approach them and you tell them that they are being maybe nasty or very angry or yelling or getting very irritated or triggering you in maybe they are boastful or there's something that they're doing that is triggering you and you confront them 
in a very direct way, it could be that it creates more problems. So this is why I'm saying come at it with an and or game. Recognize that you love. Give yourself permission to love them and to recognize their behavior as a trigger. And maybe their behavior isn't acceptable and does need boundaries. And that may be the active reach you get to is that you need to set boundaries. But to accept, first of all, that you can love a person and you can be act- you can be toxically activated by that person or triggered by that person and that you need to be able to, to manage it for yourself first, keep yourself in a mental space that is healthy before you just basically like react to them. In other words, you're going to train yourself to be a responder. By you being a responder, by you creating the necessary space and boundaries, may, maybe they don't even like it when you do that, but by you insisting that this is what you need for you to be able to manage the situation and this is how you're going to manage it and you're doing your neurocycle and you tell them you're working through this process you are giving that person in a very kind way a signal that you're creating a boundary, that what they're doing is something that you're not going to accept into your life. But you also haven't made them feel bad about themselves. You're actually modeling something that they could do. And maybe they could turn around and say, well, maybe, you know, maybe there's something that I do that upsets you, like what you're doing is upsetting me or triggering me. Maybe you can go work that out. And then in, in three weeks or at the 21-day mark, we can actually come together and have a discussion about how we're going to manage this. So basically, what I'm saying to you is that we've got to be very careful of thinking that I can't be triggered by someone or if someone that I love is toxic around me, that I just have to ignore it or suppress it. It's going to get worse or that I have to be reactive. Those are generally the two responses that we will fall into as bad habits. We'll either be very reactive. So every time you're in that situation, you react and it just gets worse and worse and then you just pull away and it never gets resolved and it just kind of hangs over you. Or you push it down and suppress it and then that starts affecting your mental health and then it gives the other person the wrong signal because now you're enabling them. Maybe that behavior that they are that's triggering you is pretty toxic and could be triggering other people as well. And if it's toxic, it's hurting them. And then you're enabling them and they continue that. So it's not healthy either way. Enjoying how you look is so good for your mental health. When you are happy on the inside and the outside, your mind is happy. This is why I love Jenny Kane and their California cool vibe. From breezy basics I won't take off to the sunny day accessories I'll be sporting all season long. Jenny Kane helps me look and feel my best, which is why they are my most trusted source for everyday elevated essentials. Jenny Kane's incredible pieces will keep me looking and feeling my best for years to come, like their beautiful Mercer crew neck top, which I could sleep in, it's so comfortable. The breezy James dress that I can dress down for a coffee date with friends or dress up for a fun summer barbecue party, and their fisherman and cocoon cozy sweaters to pair with any forecast rain, shine, night or day. Lightweight and luxe, you'll want to live in these layers. Jenny Kane believes that getting dressed should be the easiest part of your routine. With polished basics that will never go out of style, they make everyday moments a breeze. Curated, stylish staples that work with everything in your closet. You might already have a favorite dress or well-worn pair of sandals, but if it doesn't make you say, I'll never take this off, it isn't Jenny Kane. Find your forever pieces at JennyKane.com. Get 15% off your first order when you use the code DrLeaf at checkout. That's J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E. Dot com promo code Dr. Leaf. The link and details will be in the show notes. A woman's journey from pregnancy to postpartum may be challenging and possibly tough to prepare for. 
Postpartum is one of the most nutritionally demanding stages for many women, and yet it's often one of the most overlooked. After giving birth, mothers may be pulled in every direction, possibly forgetting to prioritize themselves. Introducing Ritual's newest member, Essential Postnatal, for the arrival of a mother's new nutrient needs postpartum. I love the fact that all of Ritual's products are clean and backed by science, including their Essential Postnatal, which is vegan-friendly, non-GMO, sugar-free, free of major allergens and formulated without artificial colors or preservatives. The team at Ritual know that we deserve to know what we're putting into our bodies and why. Backed by the first visible supply chain of its kind, you'll know what nutrients your Ritual multivitamin is made with and where they come from. A mother doesn't always put her needs first, but Ritual does. That's why they're offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com forward slash Dr. Leaf to start essential postnatal today. The link and details will be in the show notes. I must tell you that doing this and game and doing what I'm saying is uncomfortable. It is painful. It is time consuming. It isn't easy. It's not, you, there, there could be a few little blow ups. And that's why key to doing this is being very open with your communication, being very kind and falling back on a system saying, hey, let's neurocycle this together. We love each other. Keep coming back to, we love each other and we're triggering each other. Let's try and work out why we're triggering each other. What is it about me that I'm being triggered by you? And what is it about you that you're being triggered by me? So it becomes one of not a blame game. It becomes one of a mutually recognizing that we can love each other and be triggered, but let's mutually work out why we're doing this to each other so that we can move towards improving our relationship. So in conclusion, okay, or in summary of what we've been saying, life is an and game where it is very normal to have opposing ideas at the same time. Like you can have another example of this would be you can have two people in the same family with totally different political views. I mean, that's something that people write to us often about, especially in the current climate. And it's caused tremendous dissension in a family. And that's where a neurocycle would be very important because it doesn't mean that if you have two opposing views that you have to now dislike each other. You can each have your own views. You don't have to get toxic and, and, and dislike that person. You can have an and situation where you've got two people with opposing views where you can agree to be civil and agree to disagree. And that's where the systematic approach of using a neurocycle to work out why you how are you going to manage this? You can even do it together. Okay, we've got these two opposing views. When you bring it up, this is these are my emotional warning signals, my physical warning signals, my behavioral warning signals. When you bring it up, this is your emotional, physical, behavioral. Why are we doing this? Reflect on it, ask, answer, discuss, and then write that down together. Work it out, recheck. How can we do this? We love each other. So how can we get over this? How can we keep this compartmentalized? And that would be a great act of reach. Let's keep a political discussion compartmentalized and not let it become all pervasive over who we are and keep it compartmentalized that we will only discuss politics in the garden at five o'clock. I mean, really, I'm being so specific, but be specific. And then the rest of the time, be in that relationship with each other. But to, if, if, if it's so contentious that you can't agree, don't try and bat, be like batting rams at each other. Then it's just two toxic issues. Fight, you know, it's just going to increase toxicity, and then this love gets suppressed, and and it gets overridden, and this is what whatever you think about the most will grow. 
you you must think of the and part. Think of the and part. You love that person. There's an opposing political view, or there's an opposing view about a life philosophy, or there's an opposing view about people that you like and don't like. But if you love each other, this is what dominates. So you need to to come to the point where you can neurocycle in a nice, kind way to systematically train your mind, to train your brain to become less reactive. So you're managing it. You turn from you, you move away from being a reactor where you explode into an argument to being a responder. So what I'm telling you is that the neurocycle is a way that you can train yourself to be a responder. And it's not going to happen overnight. As I've told you so many times, this is at least a nine-week process. And each day it's going to get better and better. But if each of you have agreed to the end game, I love you and I am triggered by you. But I'm going to work on why you're showing up like that and, and I'm going to work on why I'm showing up like that. And we're going to work towards how can we coexist in love and agree to disagree. And that would be your active reaches. And that, as I said, is going to take you time. Because not only is there that immediate relationship, but there's also your stuff about why you're showing up. Each of us is, is, is showing up for our own reasons, and then we are triggered by each other as well, which is another whole toxic tree. Okay, so there's work to be done on both levels, individually in yourself, and then together as a unit so that you can come to a point of compatibility and agree to disagree. Okay, so you can love someone, but need to maybe sometimes you need to pull back so that you aren't enabling them. I mean, it may be that sometimes if you're constantly in the person's face trying to show them something or help them with something, or you see that they're doing something that you know is hurting them, sometimes you do have to pull back because they have to see, they have to suffer the consequences or experience the consequences of what they're doing. And it's affecting your mental health. And then you also have to check with yourself why you're trying to fix them and control them. You know, maybe you by your kindness and modeling a different kind of level of acceptance and another way or just being there to support and creating a boundary that's that's a fixed space and saying, look, I, I can't be with you when you do this, but I love you. So that's the end game. I love you, but when you're in this toxic state, I have to pull away. That's okay. That's the end game that I'm talking about. So someone may be toxic for you right now, but that doesn't mean it's going to be like that forever. That's what I want to really stress. Sometimes it's just something we're going through. It's a temporary thing. It's just a temporary time where we are in that space where we are really battling and that person is just a trigger in our life and you have to learn how to manage it. But it's going to end because you're going to be able to sort out what's going on in your own life. And that's where you can have the end game. As you're working through, you can still love that person. You don't have to have the guilt on top of working out, trying to sort out yourself feeling that tremendous guilt because you kind of feel you want to push that person away. So it's much better to say to that person, hey, I've got some stuff I'm working on. This is what I'm doing. I'm getting it under control. It's okay if I if I pull away sometimes. Don't take this personally. It's me trying to deal with my issue. And then you create that space that's needed. And it's temporary. doesn't mean it's going to be like that all the time. Okay, and it's also very normal for situations and relationships to change. That's another thing with the end game. Things change. I mean, the most obvious thing is like when a child grows up. You, you're at each stage as a child is growing up, your brain is changing as a parent and the child's brain is changing. And so you're rewiring new trees all the time at each stage in the relationship. You know, if you look at a child of two and three and you look at a child of 23, 24, an adult, you, it's two different things. With a young child, you are basically guiding and in their life in a very in-your-face way, which you need to be. But once a child is an, uh, is an adult, they're no longer a child, you then have to be invited in. 
So that requires a parent to rewire and not think they can jump in and correct and give advice when not solicited. You've got to let an adult child invite you in. But that requires rewiring in your brain. And it doesn't mean that you don't love them. It's not an either or game. You love them, but you're both rewiring. Things are changing. It's okay. And in that change, it can get kind of toxic. And you can trigger each other in those changes. Very, very often we trigger each other in those changes. So all the time, we just need to keep that mind management in place. Just keep going through those five steps as we recognize patterns in our life where there's a little bit of conflict. Go and do the neurocycle to work out what's going up and up on in me. Why am I showing up like this? Why am I being triggered? Is this a change? Do I need to pull back? What is my active reach? Do I need to pull back a bit? Am I getting, is my adult child now finding that I'm too involved in their life and I need to pull back and it's okay. It doesn't mean they don't love me, but they just need to be, to be allowed to make their own decisions, that kind of thing. That's something I used to find a lot when I worked with teenagers and young adults is they would often say to me that their parents need to give them space. Young teenagers would say, I want my parents just to be with me, not tell me what to do, but just to listen to me, to hear me, to just listen. A younger child up until the age of sort of 12 is wanting to be guided, show me. So it goes from show me to listen to me to I'll ask you when I need you. And each of those is not an and or game. It's still the love is there and, and you can be triggered by your child pushing you away, but you can still love them. So you need to look at why you're being triggered and then you can see, okay, I'm going through a change. I'm rewiring so I can make it a positive change. It can be very painful. You may recognize you need to reduce proximity to a toxic person or situation you need, if possible, sometimes you may need to physically remove yourself from that toxic person if it's possible. And maybe go and stay with a friend for a while if you live in the same home or make some kind of plan that you in, in the same home that you create boundaries and space so that you're not in each other's face 24-7, that you create space. But it's got to be an agreed upon thing. You can't just pull away or that person's going to get very confused. You need to be very clear on explaining why that you love them, but you're being triggered and therefore you want to work out why you're triggered. And you want to create this boundary while you go through the, the process of healing. You do need parameters so that the space doesn't become avoidance. That's another point I've made that I wanted to bring up. Because we can get to the point where you say, okay, I'm, I'm, for a while now, I'm not going to be that connected with you. I'm going through this process of 21 days and over this process of 21 days and then the other 42 days. You know, give those times. I will, I will as, I, as I get to, to deal with my, my own mental health more efficiently, then we can have more and more contact and, and talk to them, negotiate with them, explain. Otherwise, that person's going to feel really bad and then the toxicity will increase and they may do things that trigger you even more and it can go away. So the, the avoidance is, is not, you know, don't suppress and avoid for, forever. Give a time frame, even if the time frame changes. Change is fine as long as you go towards a goal. So, okay, give me, just give me a week and you find after a week you need two weeks to so say, hey, this is where I'm at. Thanks so much for giving me that space, but I need a little bit more time. And it may be in your own home. It may just be that you don't do meals together for a while, or you just have your own time where you are go and watch TV on your own, or you create spaces in your home that you are not always in each other's face. And, you know, you just judge it as time goes on. Communication all the time, telling them where you're at, letting, encouraging them to work on their stuff and constantly sharing and as soon as things get out of control, as soon as you feel so you're starting to argue and fight in a negative way, agree to pull apart and go back to your own spaces where you can continue to work towards a healthy relationship. Okay, so 
open, honest, kind discussions about what is causing your distress and how a person is triggering you and what you need to manage this in order for you to be a better person or how you do this. So your goal is to move towards becoming a responder, not a reactor. The minute you are a responder, you've, you've mastered the end game. You've mastered the fact and you've trans- this thing has gone away and it's now inside here. If you look deep inside this tree, you'll see some are light green and some are dark green. So the light green is how that person used to trigger and, and the dark green is now how you are functioning. So now as the person does whatever, you, you remember how you were triggered. There may be a little jolt of, of being triggered, but because you in, you've gone beyond the 63 days, you are able to not react. You are able to respond and keep the peace. And when people, that person, if they've done no work on themselves and you've done all the work and they see you change, that is the greatest way to influence someone else when you have changed and you've become a responder. Kind, firm, not a doormat. Boundaries are extremely important. I'm going to be doing lots of podcasts on different types of boundaries and taking this concept I'm teaching you now into more specific areas. And please send me questions and comments of what specifically you'd like me to dive into because I'll be doing much more specific. This is more of a general introduction to this concept of being able to be live the end, the end game, not the all game, the either all game, but the end game and how to manage that and to turn yourself into a responder. But the goal is to move towards responding. The more you respond, the more self-regulated you are becoming, the more you're managing your mind, the more internal peace you will have. And the stronger you will become at not accepting, if that person doesn't want to change, you are not responsible for someone else's change. But by you changing and you managing how you can cope with yourself and your mental health around them is a massive signal that eventually that will, because of the love, that will reach them and they'll see, wow, you really have changed. And that is very often a good trigger or activator to help to let them look at themselves and think, hey, maybe I should do some changing. So, you know, lead the way. Don't be scared to lead the way. It's brave and scary to lead the way, but don't be, don't be scared to lead the way. So your goal is to move towards responding versus reacting. So in sum, kindness, explanation, communication are so important. Don't make assumptions. Don't suppress feelings because they will explode in volcanic ways. You are able to become a responder and you can do this by learning to use the neurocycle. The neurocycle is not a trick or a technique. It is how you get your mind under control systematically, get your wise mind dominating your messy mind to get you nice and self-regulated so that you are managing that every moment. So you get to the point where you don't have to be around that yelling. You don't have to be around those toxic things that you learn how to block and protect yourself from those toxic environments. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast today and I look forward to seeing you next week. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leith. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. 
Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.